Bibles and get in. Let's go to Psalms chapter 53, please. Psalm chapter number 53. Real common uh, passage here, especially the first verse. Uh, notice the title says, To the chief musician upon Mahalath, Mashal, a psalm of David. The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. Every one of them is gone back, and they are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread? They have not called upon God. There were they in great fear where no fear was, for God hath scattered the bones of him that encampeth against thee. Thou hast put them to shame, because God hath despised them. O oh, that the salvation of Israel will come out of Zion, when God bringeth back the captivity of his people. Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege and opportunity it is to be here. Thank you for... Uh, seeing so many people come out on a midweek service, Lord, after working, and I appreciate their faithfulness to be here, and I pray, Father, that it would be worth their time, that they'd get something from you that would help them out, uh, that would minister to them, that would convict them, that would uh, bless them, that would help them, Father, and uh, help us to uh, leave here tonight um, a little better off than we were when we came. I pray you'd work on us, God. We need your help. Pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Only about 7% of the world is uh, atheist and agnostic, believe it or not. Now, I, I tried to do some research, and, you know, it's hard to say, because if you read one person, they say one thing, and then you read a different source, it says something else. So it's kind of hard to really nail down, um, because, you know, when you find a good researcher, they take everything into account, like places like Islamic nations, where, you know, people are forced to believe <laughs> or die. So they say that's a huge wiggle room there as far as really how many people don't believe in God or don't believe in religion, because there's a lot of religions where people are actually forced into it, and so we don't know exactly how many of those really are genuine believers, right? Uh, then there's a lot of those that are culturally affiliated to a religion, like, well, I'm a cultural Catholic, but I don't believe in God. There's some atheists, literally, that agnostics, literally, that claim to be Roman Catholic. They claim to be a part of the church because it's culturally, this is what we are, and I was raised a Catholic, and I'm a Catholic, and my family's a Catholic, and I see all kinds of benefit in the church culture, and so I just kind of have my family in church because I think there's good benefit in the church culture, and it helps us to be better people, but they're actually affiliated uh, in their own belief system with being an atheist. But honestly, no matter where you turn or how many different sources I, I tried to look at, and I didn't dive in deep, but I, but I found out that really it's actually not that common to be an atheist. It's not that common to be somebody that says, I don't believe there's a God at all. It's actually even not that common to be an agnostic. And a lot of the surveys, they were putting both of those people kind of under that one umbrella, people that don't believe there's a God, don't believe that you can prove either way that there is or isn't. The vast majority of the world, this is what I'm driving at, the vast majority of the world believes that there is a God. The vast majority of human beings around the planet 
have enough common sense to recognize, hey, listen, there has to be something out there that's bigger than us. It, it, it not only stands to reason, but it, but it stands scientifically to think that there's a God. I mean, it is obvious that things don't just create themselves. It's very obvious that it takes a, a plan and a strategy and, and some science and something in motion to make things happen. Things don't just happen for good on their own. We watch things fall apart when man doesn't come and intervene in that thing and repair it and fix it and build it up. What happens to it? I mean, if we just close the doors to this building, nobody mows the grass, nobody cleans, nobody paints, don't open the door, shut off the AC, shut off the electric, walk away and don't touch it, what's going to happen to this property? property. Do you know in a short period of time when you walk in those doors, it's going to stink? You realize everything naturally devolves, not evolves. So in all honesty, most human beings on the planet do not believe that we came from monkeys, do not believe that we just happened to be here and, you know, UFO seating and all the rest of the weird stuff going on. Most people naturally, with common sense and even education, believe that there's a divine creator somewhere or another behind the scenes making all this thing happen. This passage of scripture is targeted at that 7%. Notice something very interesting about it in verse number one. It says, the fool has said in his mind. It's not what it says, is it? It says, the fool has said where? In his heart. Now, I do understand doctrinally and all the rest of that stuff, the connection, the mind-heart connection in the Bible, but I believe every word of God is pure, and I believe God picked the word heart in this verse because God wants us to get the message and get the point that it's not a mind matter here. It's not that somebody sits around and they think it through and they go, you know what, I really just can't believe in God. It just stretches my mind too much to think that an almighty God sat in eternity and spoke this thing into his existence. I mean, I think what happened is some kind of a big bang just happened and then everything just began spiraling out of control until the madness became such wonderful, amazing things like human life. Like pregnancy. That's an amazing thing. Like, like, like all the sun rising and setting and the grass growing and the birds chirping and, and all that goes on to make such a beautiful thing. It really is amazing to look at creation. Listen, creation and conscience teach almost everybody that there is a God. The reason people don't believe in God is right there in the first phrase of verse number one. It's a heart problem. The fool has said in his Heart, there is no God. There is, corrupt are they, notice number two. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. So what happens is, in their heart, they don't want to admit there's a God because in their life, there's some sin that they're enjoying. There's some things that they want to do that their conscience is telling them don't do. And when their conscience tells them don't do it, and common sense tells them don't do it, and conviction from God tells them don't do it, but they get sick of hearing the conscience, hearing the conviction, hearing common sense, hearing Christians, hearing the truth, hearing the Bible, knowing what God's telling them in their heart, they get sick of hearing it, and the longer they get sick of hearing it, the less they want to believe it, and they get to a point where they say, I don't believe that, and the reason they don't believe it is because they want to live like the devil, and they don't want a God telling them what to do. 
It's Romans chapter 1. I was tempted to take you over there, but I've showed it to you so many times, I don't want to turn you to it again. But the Bible says that their foolish heart is darkened, and professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. Notice the word professing themselves to become wise. That's talking about the mind, right? Before it says they profess themselves to be wise, professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. The fool has set in his heart, there's no God. It says there's a problem in their heart. See, that's the issue. The root of the issue is not whether or not it makes sense that we're a Christian. See, I'm, I'm not going to waste your time tonight in this message, start pulling science out and proving to you there's a God to build your faith in God. The, the longer I do this and the more people I work with, the more I realize that's not even, it doesn't even really matter. I mean, I can show them all this stuff and, and just blow their minds at the power of the Bible and show them all these scientific things in the Bible before science even figured it out. This has to be the word of God. There's got to be a creator. He has to, somebody bigger than man had to know how this thing worked because he laid, you can show Show it to them, plain as it, nose on your face, and they won't get it. You know why? They don't want to get it. It's a heart issue. And the heart has been corrupted because of the sin in the life. They've done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. So the fool's heart is seen in verse 1. The problem is not logic. The problem is not logic. The problem is emotion. It's a heart thing. And then in verses 2 and 4, you'll notice the fool's mindset. It says, God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. So when somebody doesn't believe in God, they got a heart problem because of sin that they prefer over God. And then it becomes a mind problem. Because in verse 2 it says, God's looking to see, do any of those guys understand? Where is one person that gets it? What's happened to the fool's mind? The fool's heart has corrupted the fool's mind, and the fool can no longer even get knowledge. Look at verse 4. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Oh, we know what to do. We know what to do with the kids. We know what to do with the epidemic, with the, uh, with the uh, immorally uh, transferred diseases. See how tactful I was about that? We know what to do. We're going to educate the kids in school. That's, we're going to solve the problem, but the problem is just getting worse. It's not getting any better. Has nobody understand? Does nobody get it? You can do all the prevention you want. You know what God will do? You watch it. God will find a workaround to all your protection and preventions. God will give them a workaround. Monkeypox! God will give them a workaround. Because God set those things up as a repercussion for a specific action, some sin that God hates, and God set up repercussions for actions, and the fool doesn't understand. And he has no knowledge. I got a perfect solution for you. You don't want the diseases? Do things God's way. Problem solved. Now, I almost said problem solved stupid, but I didn't say it because I'm trying to be nicer. But I couldn't resist it, so I had to tell you I almost said it. So I had the same effect. Duh. Do none of them have any knowledge? 
There's a God in heaven looking for people that understand. There's a God in heaven looking for people that have knowledge. And what he sees is the fool's heart's messed up. Because the fool loves his sin more than truth, and as a result of a messed up heart and and an indulgence in sin and an insistence on sin, then before you know it, his mind is messed up and they cannot comprehend the obvious truth. You can tell them any way you want to tell them. You can scream and yell, spit, stomp, and snort like Pastor Mike. You can be sweet and gentle and kind and explain it and talk to them about truth, and their answer will be, well, I believe in my own truth. Pardon me? <laughs> so, so, so let me ask you a question. If your own truth is, when I get in my car and I push the gas all the way to the floor till the speedometer just tops out, and then I run into the oak tree, my car's going to evolve because it's going to create a big bang, and that's my truth. Okay? Are you with me so far? Okay, go, go experience your truth. Well, it's my truth, I believe it. Okay, then you can end your life believing that stupid lie. Because truth is truth whether you believe it or not. There's no such thing as your truth. There's truth and there's error. God's looking for people that will accept some truth. So so there's a God in heaven looking down, and he sees people that say, we don't believe you're there. There's no God. And God says, it's funny to me that they got wicked hearts that come from a wicked life, and then... Now they profess themselves to be smart, but their heart is so wicked and their life is so wicked. Look at how stupid they are. And they can't even comprehend and understand the simplest of things. Like, like nowadays, these people can't even operate a family anymore. I mean, that's a, that's a very basic institution, is it not? It's like we promise till death do us part, and then we forsake all others and cleave only unto her, only unto him, so long as you both shall live. Right? Is this rocket science? What do you do? You promise, and you keep your promise. But you, but you, 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 can't, you can't even find people nowadays that... You know what it is? It's not that they're stupid. It's sin. It's, uh, we don't have to answer to God. Uh, you're going to tell us how to structure it? I mean, I don't, I don't, I think, I just think it is, I think it is so, what did they used to call it when I was a kid? Um, oh, I forget. They, they had a different term for it. Nowadays, it's misogynistic or whatever, and there's a different term for it. It means the exact same thing, sexist or whatever. You know, there's always a new term for it, but it's the exact same thing. It's like male dominance over the female. Well, well when the Bible says that he's to be the head of the home, that's just what the Bible says. It, it still works. Like, like parents... Parents are in charge of the children. They're to instruct the children. They're to raise the children. They're to train the children. They're to discipline the children. That's the structure. The kids don't run the house. The parents run the house. The parents train the children. The children don't train the parents. It's just very simple things men can't even get nowadays. Why? Because we don't want to hear what God has to say about anything. Notice in verse number 5, the fool's fears. There were they in great fear. Where no fear was. So, so the, the fool's heart is messed up because it's motivated by self-indulgence and sin and corruption and iniquity, which has affected the fool's mind and ability to understand and gain knowledge, which then moves back into the fool's heart, full circle. And you know what you got when you got foolish people? You got people that are afraid of their own shadow. 
They're afraid of everything but God. You know what you are when you're a fool? You're worried about the economy more than you're worried about God. When you're a fool, you're more worried about whether or not America is going to stand or fall than you are worried about God. You're more worried about who's the next person in the White House. You're more worried about, worried about, worried about, worried about. You're watching the news. You know what you're seeing? People paranoid, panicking, freaked out, worried, and it's on both sides of whatever, you know, the political aisle. It's on both sides. You, you realize that the liberals hate the government because they're oppressive and they're holding us back and they're not like letting everybody get their rights and they need to change all the laws. And you know the conservatives hate the government too? The FBI is now going to come after all of us because they're going to stomp out the red mega hats everywhere they can find them. And you know, it's like, why, why do you look at me like that when I talk about the conservatives? It's the same stuff. Why? Because they're afraid of everything. They're in great fear. You know when you get to the tribulation period, the Bible says men's hearts are going to be failing them for fear? Literally, so much stress, so much paranoia, so much pressure on them from daily life that they're going to have heart attacks over the fear and the anxiety and the stress going on in their mind and heart. You know what God says about you and me? He said He hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I like that verse. You know what you see in the world today? Fear, 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 fear. Why? What are you so afraid of? What do you pe- Isn't there a God in heaven? Oh, well, if there's no God in heaven, you should freak out. You ought to get a bigger gun. You ought to train more. You ought to have more, better alarm system, more dogs. I mean, if there's no God in heaven and it's literally natural selection, you know what that does in my head? Listen, you know what that does to a small man's complex who's afraid of everybody? If it's natural selection, that to me means if I'm not the killer, I'm going to be the dinner. Now, I got a wife and four girls to take care of, so you know what that tells me? See what I'm saying? But if there's a God in heaven who loves me, if there's a God in heaven who's looking down and watching me, if there's a God in heaven who's looking for somebody in the earth to show his grace to, if there's a God in heaven who's looking for somebody to follow him and somebody to fellowship with and somebody to use, then I don't have to get all jacked up and worried about it. I can trust in him. I can have a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. I don't want to be a fool. You know the only thing that bothers me more than seeing a fool be a fool Because honestly, the day and age that we live in, they're trying, there's a small segment of the worldwide population that's trying to run an agenda and spread their doctrine, spread their religion. Because atheism is faith. Because they can't prove it by science that there's no God. You cannot prove it. So it's faith. It's a religion. By the way, the vast majority of all the atheists on the planet, as far as population percentage is concerned, are in China. Communist nation. As the democratic United States moves more and more socialistic, which we are, it's a small step from democracy to socialism. We're not supposed to be a democracy, just so you know. Did you know that? We're fighting for democracy all over the world. 
You know what democracy is? It's the rule of the people. You know what that is? That, that, that's really a short step to anarchy. We're not supposed to be a democracy. Laodicea, the people's rights. We're supposed to be a constitutional republic, which is the rule of law based on the law book. Wonder where we could have got that from. Now listen, as you go from a democracy to a socialist nation, it's a short step to a communist nation. You know what, you got, you know what they do with the communist nations most of the time? They tell them there's no God. They control them. They keep them afraid. What they're doing in the schools and what the system is doing is it's trying to get into your head, kids' heads and into the, the next generation that there's no God. They just came from monkeys. They just evolved. And I'm telling you, as we go down that road, you're going to see things get worse and worse. So to me, when I meet a young person that's, oh, I don't think there really is a God, that, that's, that's troubling, but that doesn't trouble me near as much as watching God's people begin to make fool's decisions. Are you with me? This passage shows us the fool, and you hear this passage preached, and it's always preached like so far in the message, we're going to bash on the atheists. But you know what's worse than that? It's to watch people that know God begin to move the fool's direction. Look at a couple things, and, and we'll be quick. Look at a couple things in the passage, the contrast between the fool and the guy who's not. Look at verse number 2. It says, God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did what? Oh. You know what happens to save people that stop seeking God like they ought to? They take the first step the fool's direction. You know what you and I ought to be doing in our lives every single day of your life? You know what you ought to be doing? When you walk in the doors of this church, you shouldn't just be coming in here for another church service. You shouldn't just be killing time. You shouldn't just be like, well, pastor's going to be wondering where I'm at. I've got to get this off my conscience. When you come in here, even if it is a Wednesday night and you're tired, I commend you for being here. I mean, it's getting hotter and hotter. It's like an oven in here Sunday morning. The AC is running the whole time and the temperature's still going up when we pack this thing out and you come anyways. You know what? You, I commend you for that. You know what you got to be sure you're doing when you come? God, I need something from you tonight. God, please, when I get there, please give me something that will help me. I want to draw closer to you, God. I want to know you God Lord I'm looking for you every day of my life I'm looking for you I want more of you I need more of you Lord I long for more of you Lord please draw me closer and use me I've got one life I have a limited amount of breaths and then it's over just like that sitting there at the school on Monday and Coach sits down next to me. He says, did you hear about uh, Leonardo Leo or something like that? I forget the guy's name. I know who he is. I recognize his face. But I said, yeah, yeah I did. This is crazy, man. A guy's like 31 or 2, something like that, maybe 33 at the oldest, multiple-time world champion, Pan Am champion, really well-known jiu-jitsu guy, amazing guy, just an absolute legend, a nice guy. He's at a bar in Brazil. There's a cop there, off-duty, drinking. He's sitting there drinking, hanging out with his guys. The guy comes over and starts messing with his, messing with his beer or something like that, tries, takes his beer or whatever. Well, the guy keeps pushing it and getting all stupid with him, starts a fight with him because he looks at the cauliflower ear and all this stuff. And so, you know, they, they, that, at a bar at night, you've got cauliflower ear. You shouldn't be there unless you want to get shot. 
You understand what I'm saying? Because all the drunk guys that think they're tougher than they are are going to see if they can beat you up because it'd be a real badge of honor. Oh, you know who he is. He's a world champion. I beat up the world champion, right? And he's drunk and he thinks he can do it. So he goes over and he picks a fight with the guy. So the guy does the right thing, like a true professional. He just gets him on the ground, ties him up, holds him there. So like, calm down, bro. Doesn't hit him, doesn't anything. I mean, he could have, when you got him like that, a black belt like him at his level, could have got him on the ground with one hand incapacitated him once you got the positioning right, and with the other hand just beat him ruthlessly until he couldn't even stink and see straight anymore. I mean, literally. It would have been easy for him to do. But he didn't. He lets him up, the cop turns around, bam, shoots him right in the head and kills him. He said, it's crazy, man. I said, yeah, it's crazy, ain't it? He said, they tell you, go after your dreams, go after your dreams, go after your dreams, go get it. You got to live. You got one life to live. Make it happen. He says, so you go and you work and you work and you try and you fight and you do all this stuff to make it happen, and then it's over just like that. He said, what's the point? I said, that's why what's here is not the point. What matters is what's over there. Because a fool lives for now. A fool thinks what he accomplishes in this life matters, but listen, you have a limited number of breaths, and then it's over. Are you seeking God? Do you know God? What's God looking for? God's looking for somebody that'll seek Him. He looked down from heaven in verse number 2. If God is actively in the third heaven, and He's looking down for somebody that seeks Him, guess what that means? If you seek Him... You're going to get God's attention. Sound good? I mean, do you want God's attention? If you don't want God's attention, I want to ask you what's going on in your life. What is it that you're so into that you ought not be into? What, what are you enjoying that you don't want to enjoy, that, that God doesn't want you enjoying, that you don't want God to see you? Listen, you can't escape His eyes anyways. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. God sees you whether you hide or not. So you might as well get yourself and your personal life in order and get to where you want God to see you. And if you want God to see you, God's looking for somebody that's seeking Him. Go to Genesis chapter number 6, please. Genesis chapter number 6, in a day and age that the world was absolutely filled with fools, God has a man named Noah. A day much like, I don't know, much like we're coming to. I think think the world will probably look a lot like Genesis 6 within the next 20 years. That would be my guess. If you think about these kids right now that are coming up, uh, the, the 20-year-olds that are raising kids, that are having kids, um, you think about the way they're coming up, the dysfunctionalness of the home life, um, not just picking on marriages, and you know how I feel, please, you know, you've heard my previous comments and other messages about divorce, I'm not picking on people that are divorced, I get it, right? Amen? Okay. So that being said, it is a sign of the dysfunctionality going on in our culture and all around the world. It is a sign of sin. It is a sign of falling away from God. So you've got children that don't even have parents that are they're, they're pulling different directions in the upbringing. Or when they are in a home with a mom and a dad, they're on their own. They're being raised by technology. They're being raised by, by the inundation 
of even Disney inundating them with boys kissing boys and girls kissing girls. Lost people this week talking about having to watch Disney shows before their little boy so they know where it is so they can fast forward it because they're just trying to brainwash their four-year-old boy. Lost people. Now, now it, you're in a day and time where it's rare to find a lost person that thinks that needs to be fast forwarded. You're in a day and time where they think it's all right. Well, I mean, that might not be the way I am, but I mean, it's all good. It's all cool. You are getting so close to Sodom and Gomorrah. You're getting so close to Noah's day that we are going to see the coming of Jesus Christ pretty soon, I believe. And I'm really okay with that. Amen. So in a wicked day like we're living in, or like we're about to be living in, Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> so as less and less people are serving Jesus Christ for the right reasons, the right way, the easier it's going to be for him to spot us. <laughs> Not that it ever was any harder, but you get my point, right? I mean... God's looking. He's looking from heaven to see if anybody's looking for Him. And the problem is, most of us are so busy in our American lifestyles and our technology-driven minds and brains, we can't even slow down enough or shut the phone off enough or get the phone away from us long enough to read our Bible and pray. People's time management is ridiculous. You know why? I, I'm, I'm not trying to just beat a hobby horse. I think, I think their phones and the technology people are addicted to has just caused them not even to know what time it is. Not even structure in their day. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 16, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 16, look at verse number 9. Here's somebody that knows better. Asa. Asa's king started out pretty good. But in verse number 9 it says this, For the eyes of the Lord, 2 Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Did I tell you 2 Chronicles? What did I tell you? Wow. Other Testament, y'all. Sorry about that. I just figured that many pages can't be wrong and me right. You know what I mean? Second Chronicles, my apologies. You should, you should have picked up on it when I said King Asa. Like, but you know me, I'm probably referring to Asa while I'm sending you to Corinthians. So, Second Chronicles 16.9. Asa started out good. He says in verse number 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them. Watch it. Whose heart. Huh. You know what the fool's problem was? It's his heart. Whose heart is perfect toward him. Now watch. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. There you got somebody who knew better, who made a foolish act and followed the fool's way. But the problem was, it was in his heart. And he's God saying, hey listen, my eyes... Something God's telling us about Himself. It's important to know God, right? You seek God. This is what God does. I am telling you. I know this for a fact. God looks down from heaven 
and his eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth. What's he looking for? He's looking to see if you're looking for him. Now think about that a minute. I don't care if you're six years old. God's looking to see if you're on your knees in prayer. God's looking to see if you're breaking open your Bible and reading a chapter or two chapters or four a day will get you through it in a year. You know, God knows how many of you kids have read your Bible cover to cover and how many of you haven't. And God knows that it only takes you about 15 minutes a day. 20 minutes, 30 if you're a really slow reader, but 20 minutes a day to read your Bible cover to cover. Well, I'm not a good reader. All right, set a really low bar. Read two chapters a day and in two years have your Bible read cover to cover. You think God Almighty doesn't know? You think he's not looking for that? I want God's blessing on my life. I want God's presence on my life. I want God to see me. I want when he sees me, I want him to say, now that, now look at that boy. That's a good boy right there. He's doing that. That's somebody I can bless right there. That's somebody I can use right there. I want to take care of him. Look at him. He's looking for me. Seeking God is something the fool doesn't do. Calling upon God, back in Psalm chapter 53, calling upon God is something the fool doesn't do. You see how somebody who's not a fool, somebody who does believe in God, can start making the fool's decisions. And it just starts with a little bit of a heart problem. It starts when you stop seeking the Lord like you ought to. When you just get so used to your salvation and you get used to God's blessing and, and you're just a Christian and you're doing the right things and you're going the right places and you don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't run with those who do. You're spiritual. you got it all made. You've arrived. You're even in a Bible-believing church. You even sit under this crazy little preacher because it's hard preaching and we like hard, straight preaching. And, but you're not really seeking God. You're not really trying to walk with him. That's a fool's decision. That, that's the road the fool's walking. And it's scary to see, it's scary to see me, the pastor in the church, getting messages ready, easily making the fool's decisions and letting days go by not truly, genuinely seeking his face. Died Abner as a fool dieth? What a sad thought, huh? Calling upon God is something the fool doesn't do. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread. They've not called upon God. Now for the sake of time, again, we're not going to run the references. But in the tribulation period, people will be cannibalizing the Jews. Part of the, the, the starvation and all the rest of the crazy things that are going to be happening in the world is going to be a food shortage. Which, I know, you know, come on, how can something like that happen, right? Well, yeah, maybe five years ago. But nowadays, people can see how the whole world could believe a great lie. Nowadays, people could see how that crazy old man, he didn't know nothing. He's just, he's just a crazy old man, you know, he's an old roughneck, and, you know, that, like they talk about Dr. Ruckman. Well, nowadays, people can see how Maybe the Antichrist could come down on a UFO and step off a UFO and say, hey, I'm here from outer space and, you know, I'm Jesus. And now, nowadays, that, I mean, like the most conservative, the most intelligent, the most wealthy, 
are seeing and reading articles about UFOs, and UFOs are becoming more and more commonplace. Now it's not just the weird magazines, the little one-off magazines, or the crazy little websites from the weirdo conspiracies that a select group of people have to go out of their way to find because they're into that kind of thing. Nowadays, it's mainstream. You see where we're going? Oh, come on, cannibalizing the Jews? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. According to that Bible, they will be eating God's people for dinner, literally, literally. Like, like kill them, sacrifice them to the Antichrist, burn up the flesh, and eat it. It's a tribulation passage. Right on the heels of the passage about Doeg the Edomite. But it's more than that. It says, they eat up my people as they eat bread. They've not called upon God. Workers of iniquity don't call, don't look for the Lord. They don't have, it shows in the relationship that they have with God's people. They don't have the right relationship with God's people. Why would you call on God? Listen, watch this, making an application here. Why would you call on God if you hate his bride? I'm not saying Israel's his bride. Israel's the bride of God. The church is the bride of Christ, right? If you hate the church, why would you call on God? Can I just give you something to stick in the back of your head? Because every one of you, sooner or later, you're going to need it. You're going to run into some Christian who believes in God. They love the Bible. They love the King James Bible. And they hate church. And they hate Christians. And they love doctrine, and they love listening to it on the internet, and they love debating it, and they love talking about it, but they hate church. They hate those Christians. They're all a bunch of hypocrites. They're also, they all treated me wrong. Mark it down. That person's pretending to walk with God, and they are not. How can you say something like that? When you hate God's people and refuse to fellowship with God's people, when God's spirit is here and you refuse to be a part of it, you don't want to be a part of it, you're not drawn to it, something about God's people and being with them is repulsive to you, you are not fellowshipping with God. Don't give me that garbage. Well, I walk with the Lord, but I deny the Bible. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Yeah, well, I've been hurt in church. Yeah, you've been hurt at work too, but you keep going for the money. In other words, you love money more than you love God. In other words, then money is your God. Because you'll go back to work when you hate the boss and get misused and get cussed out by other employees and get made fun of and everything else. You'll keep going, but you won't come back to church because somebody offended your sensitive little feelings. Well, it was really wrong what they did. Boy, listen to me. I know. Now, now I'm not talking about the sensitive little feeling stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm taking another step in the subject, okay? I'm not talking about you got your feelings hurt, blah, 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 stupid stuff, right? That I don't have too much patience for. I know that people have been horrendously hurt in church. Because there are sinful people that gather together, even if they're saved, they're still in sinful flesh, and bad things happen when sinful people begin 
going down a fool's direction. They stop seeking God. They start loving sin. They stop loving truth like they should, and they start heading down the fool's road. Anything can happen in church. And they'll sit there on Sunday looking just like they're one of us, and you'd never guess the filthiness lurking in their minds, the filthiness lurking in their hearts, the wicked ungodliness going on behind closed doors. You'd never imagine in a million years. And church is not, you know impervious to it. It happens. Can I tell you something? If you've been hurt that bad, find another group of Bible-believing people to gather with. But don't hate God's people because some evil devil wound up infiltrating the thing and, and, and hurt somebody. I'm preaching now. Don't let anything drive you away from the house of God. Why? Because you need God's people. I mean it from with all, with all my heart. If you ever get so mad at me and you get so bent out of shape you can't come here anymore, then find another church to go to. I'm saying this for your good. Find another Bible-believing church to go to. I don't care if you've got to drive an hour or two hours on Sunday. Then drive two hours on Sunday, sleep on the pews in between service, and be there for the evening service. But stay in church. You've got to have the fellowship of the believers. Hey, listen, if you're calling on the name of God, and you're seeking God, and you want to hear from God, then you need preaching. This is the only place you can go to get something this divine in this time period when God will show himself to you over and over and over over again. Hey, his eyes are on you and you will know it by the way the messages of God get at your heart. You'll you'll know it. You'll say, man, that is God. That preacher had no idea, but he was all over it, man. That was amazing. That was God. It's as close as you get to something miraculous happening when you come into church and, and science proves it, right? Observable and repeatable over and over and over again. Different subjects, different problems. Different decades of my life and this keeps happening? It's God. You really want the Lord? Then you got to learn to love His people. But you know what a lot of people do? They feed on them. They talk about them. Break them down. Criticize them. Find fault with everybody everywhere. You know what? It nauseates me about myself. I, I, get, I get tired of being that way. Don't you? Oh, you're not that way. I'm sorry. You know, you know what? You know what? It, it's it's almost like, man. What do you think you are? Perfect? You think you got it all together? You don't think other people can look at you and pick you apart? Rather than feeding on God's people, why don't we consider feeding them? Why don't we consider doing something good to help them? It says those that are feeding on God's people have not called upon God. When you get around a gossip who all they want to do is talk about all the other people, talk about all the other churches, talk about all the other Christians, rip them apart and tear them up, I will guarantee you that person is down a fool's path and they're not calling on God. They're not seeking God. They're not hearing from God. Because if they were, God would say, okay, listen, if you want to keep talking to me, shut your mouth. You know why I pray for people? I, I try to pray for people. Sometimes people get messed up. So when I pray for people that are getting messed up, I try to remember to say, Lord, this is not me coming accusing your servant to you. To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, God's able to hold him up, and I know you can hold him up. 
but I'm concerned about this. If I'm wrong, show me I'm wrong. And if this really is a problem, please help that sister, that brother. Please help that family. Please work on that situation. You can't call on the name of God and be chewing his bride up. I mean, think about it, men. Somebody's going to come to you, hey, man, I need you to help me out. What's going on? Oh, my water heater, man. I, mean, I can't figure this thing out. Oh, yeah, I'll be right there. Hey, man, while you're helping me with my water heater, you know, your wife's a real piece of work. I don't like her personality. I don't like her attitude. You know, she offended my wife. You know, I just don't know. She didn't say hi to me. You know, she didn't. You know, your wife. You know what? You know what I'd do? Oh, it just broke, man. Sorry about that. Don't know how to fix it. <laughs> Better stop that. That's 50 gallons going all over your basement. Just be glad it's not your blood right now. I'm being gracious. You know what I mean? What? That's my wife. You understand that, right? You're not calling on my name and hate her. <laughs> you don't know her. I do. Somebody in the church years ago said she's going to ruin his ministry. Like, what? Well, they're gone. She hasn't. She's priceless to my ministry. You can't, you can't be my friend and talk like that. Come on, man. Don't work. You think you can be God's friend and talk about his bride like that? I'm not. I, I always got to say this stuff. I got to qualify everything. Nobody's picking on her that I know of. But it's a great illustration. I know how that feels. You know, God knows his bride ain't perfect, but he loves her. You can't mess with God's people and call on the name of God. Look at the last thing. Verse 5. They were in great fear where no fear was. For God has scattered the bones of him that encampeth against thee. Thou hast put them to shame because God hath despised them. A fool doesn't fear God but fears everything else. And you'll notice a good man going down a fool's path when a good man stops fearing God like he ought to. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Paul warned us about Hymenaeus and Alexander who were made shipwreck. Why? Concerning faith. Just because you're in the faith, just because you're walking right, just because you're doing right, does not mean that you can't start going down the wrong road. And that thing will start when you stop seeking God like you should, you stop calling on God like you should, and then you stop fearing God like you should. This is what scares me. Some people can have nothing but constant issues, problems, problems, issues, issues, and problems. And they never stop to say, God, is this you? I'm not saying if you have constant problems, it's God. Right? I I don't want you to hear something I didn't say. I'm not saying if you have constant problems that it's God beating you up. Sometimes it's the devil. Sometimes it's just life. Sometimes God's allowing it to develop you and make you better. But what worries me is when somebody has constant issues and problems everywhere they go, nothing but constant issues, and they don't, Stop to say, God, is this you? I can't hardly stub my toe 
without stopping to say, Lord, are you trying to tell me something? The tire goes flat. The car breaks down. A doctor says, well, you better get this checked out. Just went through two years of that. Thank God, I think I'm good. You know, I thank God, maybe you're bummed, but I think, praise God for it. Two years of getting my lungs checked. And you're good. We don't need to see you again. Whew, praise the Lord. But you know what? You know what the first thing when you say, hey, we need to look at these. You've got spots all over your lungs. We need to look and see what's going on here. First thing I say is, oh, okay, I thought I was right with you, but are you trying to tell me something? Why? Because I fear him. Because I realize that I'm a sinful man. I realize it. I don't, I, don't, I don't try to make excuses for it. I don't hide behind that to continue doing things and not living a double life or anything like that. But I do realize that I'm a sinful man. And I do realize that God uses things to get our attention. I, I have a healthy fear of God. Uh, you know what? I, you know what? I, I would. This. This. I told, told somebody this just the other day. I would be afraid to just take a shot of whiskey. I would be afraid. I mean, afraid to just drink one beer. Afraid. I would be afraid to smoke one joint. I would be afraid to sneak out back and just smoke one cigarette. You know what I? You know what I think? This is what I think. I think God will kill me. I think, I'm, I think that's where I'm at with the Lord. I think the, 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 it, where God's allowed me to get where I'm at right now, just between me and him for a hundred different reasons, I think if I go that path, God's going to cut me off. Now, if the plane crashes, don't be like, oh, God cut him off because he was drinking and smoking. I'm not. <laughs> but I fear God. You understand that? I don't ever want to get over my fear of God. Because it's the beginning of wisdom. And when you start fearing God like you ought to fear Him, you stay within the boundaries that He puts for you. And when you stay within His boundaries, you realize His eyes are there and His answers to your calls are there and His presence is there and His perfect love is there and perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So when you have the fear of God, you know what you lose? You lose the fear of everything else. Do you understand? Because when you have the fear of God the way you ought to, you stay within the boundaries that God has placed for your life, and you're like, I fear you above all else. I'm staying right where you are. And then when the storms hit you and the constant problems come and the waves run over your ship and the bad news from the doctor shows up, you say, well, God allowed it. Like an older preacher said to me that stuck in my mind, and I've never forgotten it, he said, well, brother, a really bad time in his life. He said, well, brother... It has to go across the Lord's desk before it comes to me, so he signed off on it. So I guess that's just, it is what it is. And I thought, man, to be able to say that, that's got to be somebody who fears God. When he can say it is what it is, God signed off on it, he knows what's going on, we'll just wait and see. That's somebody, he ain't afraid of nothing. But he obviously has a fear of God. I want the fear of God, not the fear of man. Fear of man bringeth a snare. You got a generation that fears money. They fear losing it. Material things. Health. 
But fearing God, that'll keep you from becoming a fool. And you start going down a fool's road when you stop fearing God like you should. And a symptom of the fact that you stop fearing God like you should is that you're afraid of everything else. Look at the sixth verse and we're done. Oh, that the salvation of Israel will come out of Zion. When God bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. Notice the future tense, when God shall bring back, right? Doctrinally, this is to the Jew in the tribulation period. Historically, David's on the run if we're still in context of the previous chapter, which was Doeg the Edomite. Interesting, they're both tribulation passages. So we're still in context of that, and so historically this may place this psalm. The next one we know is an early life psalm of David, we'll get to next week, but we probably can place this psalm confidently in a time of David's life when he's running for his life. And the fools are rejoicing and slaughtering all the priests of God and trying to wipe him off the map. And here he is like, nothing's working out for him. He's running for his life trying to stay alive. But he still believes in God. He's being persecuted for doing right. And God's not doing anything about it. And he still believes in God. He's still seeking Him. He's still calling on Him. And he's still fearing Him. Because he figures, well, God must have signed off on it. It had to come across God's desk before it got to me. And so you know how that thing works out? He says, when God bringeth back the captivity of His people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. God always vindicates His Word, His Son, and His true servant. So how does this practically apply to us? Don't make the fool's decisions in the bad times. Watch your heart. Because it'll start in your heart. You can see the symptom when you start enjoying your sin too much and not confessing your sin and getting it right with God. And you'll stop calling on God. You'll stop seeking God. You'll stop fearing God. And before you know it, you're all the way out there tore up with the bones of the world. When if you'd have stuck with God and not made the fool's decisions, not made the fool's choices, God would have showed up eventually and vindicated you because He always vindicates His Word, His Son, and His true servant. Always. God always vindicates those three things. So stay with Him and wait and do right. Seek Him, call on Him, and fear Him. And I am telling you, He'll come through for you every single time. All right, we'll stop right there. No invitation tonight.